I think I'm about to get her. Um, cannot believe Christmas is almost here, guys. It comes at a frantic pace. Uh, one more message. Of course, next week we'll have a Christmas message on marriage home. And this one deals with the sheltering love of a husband. And we're in Ephesians chapter 5. So I'm going to ask if you'll turn there. Ephesians 5, and it's verses 25 through 32. I'm going to ask if you'll stand in God's honor as I want to read from his word. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We are all broken. And we understand perfect marriages aren't possible because we're not perfect. But with you, we are able to be, be becoming who we're supposed to be. And I just pray, Father, this morning as we take a little time to look at your word, may we be encouraged. And Father, I just strengthen us. Speak way beyond what I can say, Holy Spirit, that we may hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. Church had a guest preacher. They were excited. Uh, had known for a couple of weeks this guy was coming. He was speaking on the importance of the marriage relationship. Well, actually, he was speaking on the importance of uh, the urge to merge. This desire that we have within us to find, you know, a soul partner, somebody to, to really love us unconditionally and fully and be there for us and all that stuff. And so before the preacher got ready to speak, someone passed him a note. And he read the note. And he went, wow. And so anyway, this, in this note, this lady in the congregation said, I have desperately wanted to get married for a long time. And I want God's best for my life. And she said, so every night, she said, I got this pair of man's pants, and I hang the pants over the foot of my bed, and I say this prayer. Father in heaven, hear my prayer, and grant it if you can. I've hung a pair of trousers here. Please fill them with a man. Well, the preacher, he couldn't get that out of his mind. And so he went back to his home church and he said, I have got to share this with the congregation. It had nothing to do with his sermon, but you know, sometimes we preachers get something stuck in our head. It doesn't matter. We got to share it. And so he gets to the end of the sermon. Of course, he, he shares this story. And 
most people are laughing, but there's this one dad and his oldest son near the front, and the dad's laughing, you know, but the son, he's focused. I mean, lasered in on what is being said. And uh, so anyway, uh, went home, and a couple of weeks later, this uh, pastor got a note from a mom in the church, and it was the mom of this oldest boy that was so focused, lasered in on what was being said. And um, she said, Dear Pastor, should I be worrying? Every night when my son goes to bed, he hangs a bikini at the foot of his bed. <laughs> hey, we, we know that in the early stages of that attraction, man, there's just such a, an electricity and a buzz. Oh, I just think about her all the time. I just want to be with her, and she's my world, and, you know, all of that stuff. But uh, we also know that as time goes by, <laughs> that us so often changes. I was thinking this morning, you know, th that song by Mariah Carey, I heard it was just voted the most popular Christmas song uh, of late. And, you know, all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, but once you get her, will you feel the same way in 10 years and vice versa? Because relationships are hard, relationships are tough. Matter of fact, I want to share this piece with you. It's called The Seven Ages of the Married Cold. I don't know if you ever heard this. <laughs> the first year of their marriage, he says, Honey, sugar, I'm really worried about my little baby girl. You've got a bad sniffle. I want to put you in a hospital for a complete checkup. I know the food's lousy, but I've arranged for your meals to be sent from Rossini's. It's all arranged. Second year, he says, Listen, honey, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've called Dr. Miller, and he's going to rush right over. Now, will you go to bed and just rest for me, please? Third year, maybe you better lie down, honey. Nothing like a little rest if you're feeling bad. I'll, I'll bring you something to eat. Got any soup in the house? Fourth year, look, dear, be sensible. After you fed the kids and washed the dishes, you, you better hit the sack. <laughs> Fifth year. Why don't you take a couple of aspirin? Sixth year, if you just gargle or something instead of sitting around barking like a seal. <laughs> Can you tell it's getting a little worse, all right? Se se seventh year, for heaven's sake, stop sneezing. What are you trying to do? Give me pneumonia? See, here's the problem. Relationships need to be tended. They need to be nurtured or else they can fall into disrepair because the, we're sinners, guys, and we are naturally selfish. It, it, takes, it takes work for a marriage to stay strong. And, and so we're going to look uh, this morning from our text as the meaning of a husband's love, uh, the manner of a husband's love, and the mission of his love. It, it's interesting here, as you look at the scriptures, there are three verses in Ephesians 5 here that give instruction to the wives but there are nine verses given to the husband whatever you want to make of that there are three times as much instruction given to the guys than to the gals so but anyway let's jump in here uh, it's interesting the word husband it literally means tiller of the soil it is the idea guys that we have responsibility 
to nurture, to take care of the relationship, to lead in that way. You know, I mean, look, if anyone's ever raised a garden, I, I'm not sure the time you have to put into that thing, pulling weeds and, you know, making sure everything's right in order for stuff to grow. Uh, you, you probably, probably cost three times as much, but it does taste good. And then, you know, you grow it and you have it. It's work that is required. And in John 15, verse 1, it, Jesus, as he talks, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Or in the NIV, he says the gardener. In the old King James, it says the husbandman, which is the picture of, of, of that husband who is leading by love. Picture of our heavenly father. And it's interesting, in, in the Webster Dictionary, it described a husband as a frugal or prudent manager is one of the definitions. So it is very vital. And as we look at this, this first part of the meaning of a husband's love, not only is, is the husband to be the head of the home, he's to be the heart of the home. And that is the importance of that cultivation. I love uh, Eugene Peterson's translation in the message. He says, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. You see, love is something that is much more caught than taught. When somebody loves you, you know it. You don't have to have a dissertation on that. You see it. You are aware of that love at work. Someone has said, if you have a husband who's a leader but not a lover, you have a tyrant. But if you have a husband who's a lover but not a leader, you've got a sentimental sap. But if you have a husband who is a leader and a lover, then what you have is a tender warrior. You've got a man, uh, which is what is longed for, which is God's desire for a husband to be. You know, my th thoughts are why God gave three times as much advice to husbands to wives is I know the way we are, guys. I mean, if it was up to us, and, you know, all God wrote was, husband, love your wife, we'd say, I love her. When I married her, I said I love you, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. But there needs to be a lot more depth in what that means, what how love is to be performed in our lives and shown to our wives, how that love is to be carried out. And so as we look at this, the first analogy is that such love is sacrificial. Look at our text here in verse 25. He tells us, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In other words, it's a love that does what is necessary to meet her needs. You care about what the needs are, generally. And you know, I know how guys are. If you ask me if I love her, I love her so much, I'd take a bullet for her. Take a bullet for her. But you press a little deeper, and let me ask you, would you give up the remote control for the TV? Hmm, now you're thinking. 
Or, you know, this is real love. Say, look, I love football. And I'm telling you, he said, I love you, honey, but I'm not giving up those first five games on Sunday. I might give up six, seven, and eight, but I ain't giving up those first five games. Love is much more than just take a bullet. Love is seeing the needs, caring about what the needs are, and reaching out to meet those needs because you love them. Romans 5, 8, it tells us God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Guys, we're, we're called to love her regardless if, if she's fulfilling her role. And so when people want to talk about, oh, how terrible it is for a wife to be submissive to her husband, and how terrible it is to die for somebody, that is an ultimate form of submission as well, as we talked about last time, about how there's a mutual submission that occurs in a marriage that is in God's will and within God's plan. Sacrificial love. <laughs> I want to share with you. You've probably heard some of these. I love them. Kids, man, they can say it best, can't they? They asked a bunch of kids, what is love? And I'm going to share some of these with you. <laughs> I thought these were pretty good. One kid said... Love is when a girl wears perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> Woo! Right? Uh, another child said, love is all the things written in Valentine's Day cards. And then he qualified it. You know, all the things you'd like to say to someone but you'd never be caught dead saying them. You know, Atticus is going through that phase where... Um, He's, he's just not ready for girls. And, uh, and I'm in no hurry. So it's <laughs> all that. But, 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 you know, anyway, it was good. Okay. Um, another child said, and I love this one. This, one, this one's really good. Um, love was when my grandmother got arthritis and she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandpa did it for her all the time. Even when his hands got arthritis too, that's love. Sacrificial love that costs, that's inconvenient, that in not necessarily big ways, but in small ways, say loudly, I love you. I care about you. Maybe it's just su surprising with some chore you don't normally do, guys, around the house. And you do it. Because we all fall in these roles. But just some way to show her that you love her. All right, second one in this is sanctifying love. Look at verses 26 and 27 of our text. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. A love that sanctifies, or in the NIV, it specifically says to make her holy. Holiness, you know, sanctification. It's a big church word that is often used, but sometimes we don't really understand what it means. What it really means is to be used for its original purpose. And guys, we were created to worship the living God. And when it says to be holy, it means that in all things and in all ways we are to worship we are to love him and recognize our God. So that's what it means to, to be sanctified, to be holy, to be set apart. 
And, and so it is when something is being used for the purpose it was made for. Now, uh, for instance, when you think about a chair, man, a, a chair's not used to, uh, well, I, I might tell my age, I used to watch pro wrestling with my dad. I used to think it was real. Man, they'd get in these matches where it was battle royale, and somebody'd get thrown out of the ring, and they'd reach under there and pull out a chair, and they'd hit the other guy with it. You know, they killed him if it was real. I wasn't smart enough to realize that at the time, probably. But let me tell you, the chair was not made to hit a wrestler over the head or the back with. It's made to sit in. That's the purpose of the chair. And so he's saying, guys, um, for her purpose, demonstrate the love of Christ to her. That's the role. That's the creation. That's the way God's made things. And, and you're to be the one that expresses that love to her. You're to be the initiator. You're to be the gardener. You're the one to make sure <laughs> that the garden is in a position to grow. To grow. And then there's a secure love. Look at verse 28 in our text. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No, notice he says uh, to love her as your own body. Remember, if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, and man and woman were made, and um, they were to be as one unit. And she was made to be beside him and to be the partner, to work together with him. I think the word in NIV is suitable helper, but the picture here is, is not just an assistant. It's a picture here who is working together for that common goal and is every bit as valuable as the other. It, it, it is not a, a matter of superiority or inferiority, and it, but just a beautiful picture of a unit that's working together. Matter of fact, you know, when Adam looked over at Eve, he, when she was made, he said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. <laughs> to love her as our own bodies. It's a, it's a secure love. How, how do we love our own bodies? Well, most of us at times might go a little far with that. Sometimes we fall in love with mirrors. Ooh, look at that. That looks fine. Yeah, okay. And, you know, like I, I read this uh, one account where one of the public places put a mirror on the outside and they had a camera. And they just for fun, they were recording to see what would happen with this mirror outside of the building. And to their astonishment, they realized there were more men looking in the mirror than women. So, ladies, that's just a little ammunition possibly for for you but we have a, a a natural you know we take showers we make sure our hairs anyway we do things to care for our bodies we you know get the sleep that we need we eat appropriately hopefully get some kind of exercise but we just naturally care for our bodies and paul is saying here in the inspiration of god we're to naturally care for our spouse for our wives guys that's his call to us. A husband's love is sacrificial, sanctifying, secure. And then the manner of a husband's love is to be stable. 
Look at verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. You know, when that first marriage occurred, uh, and going back to Genesis, from which this is originally quoted, we looked at that one week in, in saying that, you know, you had leaving, where you leave a father and mother, and then you have cleaving, where, you know, a marriage transpires, you make a commitment to one another that we're doing life together, and then there is weaving, which means over the course of that life, you're constantly learning about each other. You're constantly growing to know one another. That's what intimacy is. And in learning about one another and doing life together, God does this work of bringing you closer together. That's his plan. Matter of fact, if you look at that original language, this verse would say, Husbands, keep on actively, repeatedly, without stopping, loving your wives. That's the verse. That's the call. And here's the typical pattern. You guys know it. Um, man sees woman. Man likes what man sees. Man goes out of his way to impress woman. Woman thinks man is awesome. Man proposes to woman. Woman agrees to proposal. They get married, and then the man thinks conquest is over. Hunt is won. The great hunter has taken his prey. It's what I want. It's what I searched for. I went out of my way to show how awesome I am, and I got what I want. And then often what happens is instead of continually romancing, continual nurturing, continual sacrificing, it all comes to a halt, and the hunter's in trouble. And the marriage comes to a grinding halt. Guys, relationships don't naturally grow closer. We have to work at it. We have to be willing to not put ourselves first. We have to be humble. We have to be servants. That's God's call. So what is the mission of a husband's love? That is stability as it continues. At verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So he's been talking about the marital relationship, about husbands and wives, and then he comes back and he says, guys, the marriage relationship is meant to be a testimony about Jesus Christ and the church. The marriage relationship, it's a profound mystery, but what he's saying is that, that you have a God who loved us so much that he humbled himself to death upon a cross. And then in the church, you, you have, have a wife who sees that love and out of gratitude for that love, responds to that love and follows. And so this is a picture of Christ and his church and it's to be a picture of the family. And guys, quite honestly, I can't think of a greater testimony. And the question is for all of us, what kind of testimony is our marriage. When people look at our marriage, do they see two people who are willing to forgive each other? Two people who are willing to listen to one another? To respond 
to one another? Because if a husband and wife aren't willing to forgive each other, how can you expect those outside of Christ to believe that you know what forgiveness means? That you have really met such a God you claim to know. Marriage is a testimony. And the mission of a husband's love is to be that missionary. Not the other side of the world. Yeah, when you go home. That, that's God's heart. That's his response to us. And we know that families are under attack. The enemy knows that if he can destroy and weaken families, then he can kill a civilization. He can destroy order and peace. And we have a call to be in the trenches to be strong families, to be husbands and wives who are a good testimony of the very grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Let me close uh, with this illustration. There was a young man who saw a young girl and he wanted to win her heart. But man, he was terribly shy. Terrible. You've heard his story, haven't you? Probably guys heard this, some of you haven't. But, uh, man, when I was first starting to deal with this stuff of noticing girls who were gone, you know, and there was this girl in the class, Manette by her name, but they called her Punky. And I couldn't help but just kind of look at her. I tried not to stare at her all the time, but I couldn't. I just noticed her every time I went. Man, I had it bad, but I was so scared. How do I talk to her? What do I say? She scares me to death. And so what we do in those days, we didn't have a bus. I went to city schools, and so someone had to pick you up and take you home. And well, I was waiting uh, for my, uh, one of my parents to come by and pick me up in the car. I'm standing there. All of a sudden, Punky comes over to me with her mom and is standing there. And I had to make a decision. I thought the girl that makes my heart skip a beat is now standing next to me with her mom. What do I do? I ran away as fast as I could and never talked to either one of them. I don't suggest that. I'm just trying to confess my sin. <laughs> okay, let me get back to this story. Okay, so this guy, he was shy. He wrote love letters to her. But he never really went to see her. He just wrote her these love letters. He wrote a love letter every day. Oh, man, beautiful, romantic stuff. She got six, seven letters a week, but he didn't show up. Then he started upping the ante. He started writing three letters every 24 hours by hand. He had it bad, didn't he? <laughs> um, but he never showed up. The gal got a total of 70 handwritten love letters from this guy. But he didn't show up. So you know what happened? He married the, I mean, excuse me. She married the mailman. Because he kept showing up. So what is the call, guys? Sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we don't know what we're doing. Show up. Be there for her. Display your love to her. You don't have to be 
know it all. You don't have to be Superman. You just have to be her man. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for your word. And God, we are all a weak bunch. We confess that. And, but we ask that your spirit would minister to us, Lord, that we might be the husbands and wives we need to be in our homes, Lord, that we might be the uh, men and women, regardless of our role, that we might have a testimony that displays the gospel that we're servants and that we love one another and that we're forgiving and that uh, we have a heart. And Father, I just pray you move among us. And in this time that we call response or invitation with an altar that's open, maybe someone needs to come to this altar this morning. It's always open. Uh, maybe a, a decision needs to be made, Lord. I, I don't know what you're doing among your people, Lord, or, or maybe even those listening to, through way of the Internet. But Father, I pray, O oh God, that you would speak, Lord, and that we would respond to that. And so, God, we just leave this time to you. Do what you want to do, Lord, among us. In Christ's name we pray.